It's Sunday night, it's 9.30, and it's time for the Jersnet podcast, absolutely live, bringing you totally free Rangers content by the fans, for the fans. last word on all the Rangers news so if it's your first time joining us then please do remember that we're absolutely live uh, and you're very much welcome to get involved with the show by leaving us your comments your questions over on the YouTube stream I'll be keeping my eye on that throughout the show uh, and we'll get to as many of those as we can the pod is also available as always for downloads from a Monday morning so make sure you subscribe to make sure you never miss a thing that'll be available on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Google Music and always available on YouTube as well Tonight on the show, we're going to be taking a look back at two successful games over the course of the week. We're talking about our chances in the League Cup final, looking ahead to the Porto trip, uh, the Porto visiting us at Ibrox on Thursday, and also checking in with all the news throughout the week. My name's Ross Bennett, and I'm going to be your Jersnet podcast host this evening. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by two of our Jersnet regulars. First up is the inimitable Pete. Pete, how's your weekend been? Yeah, very good. Happy to know. Enjoyed the, the game today. Was looking forward to it because uh, looking for a bit of revenge over Hearts from the a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and we got it. So no, doing well. Yeah, we certainly certainly made up for the the poor performance at Tyne Castle a couple of weeks back. Uh, also with us tonight is a warm welcome back to Ian Leeper. Ian, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Ross. Uh, delighted with the the game today and the result. On our way to another final at Hamden. It's great. Great to get back into the swing of that and uh, a fairly convincing performance at the end of the day today. Um, we kind of strolled it in the end, uh, so can't be happier than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's be fair, we, we never really look like look like losing that one. Um, and it, like you say, it's it's a real pleasure to be back in a, in a major final, even if we do have to return to Hamden once again this season. Um, I suppose yeah. there's no way to start this evening and by taking a look back at the game this afternoon uh, against Hearts, obviously a, a, a pretty strong 3-0 victory for Rangers um, goal coming just before just after half time and then uh, midway through the second half, Philip Hollander getting our first goal at Hampton since Andy Halliday's strike back in the unfortunate scenes of the 2016 Scottish Cup final, um, it's been a bit of a, you know, a, a tough place for us to visit Hampton over the recent years with Lots of stats banded around saying how it's five visits there without scoring a goal, five visits there defeated in a row. Um, so it was fantastic to kind of break that curse this evening. Um, Pete, how did you view this one and, and who really stood out for you today at Hamden? Well, another stat in that that Tom Miller came away with today was that Harps hadn't beat us since 1965 in a, in a cup game, so or a league cup game. So I suppose we had that to look forward to as well. Um, how did I, did I see the game? It's sort of a... Uh, hearts came out, I think, and they tried to put pressure on us. But after about 10 minutes, they sort of get deeper and deeper and deeper as our uh, midfield started to get control of them. And, yeah, just the, the goal wouldn't fall. I thought Kent played really good. Uh, Ryan Jack is, for me, really becoming... A, we're going to discuss that later, but... Uh, he was he was yeah, really influential today. Steve Davis, yeah, just all over the park. We really standout players today, and uh, yeah, we never give gave Hearts any chance. Well, I think they had one or two. The guy flashed a header from a corner, just uh, just past the post, which was a frightening win it. But uh, no, as it, uh, it was a stroll in the park. Really, at the end up as as Ian says. No, it very, very much was. Um, Ian, I know you were you were at Hampton today. Did you uh, did you enjoy your afternoon out? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, picked the same players as uh, Pete there. Uh, I thought uh, Davis was absolutely immense again, a real standout. Um, to where he gets the energy, well, pressing players, uh, creating great vision. Um, he just seemed to come away from every challenge with the ball. Uh, his reading of the game was fabulous. 
Um, Ryan Jack again, controlling and dominant and assertive in midfield. Um, and then, of course, the goal scoring machine that is Philip Hollander popped up for the first goal. It was brilliant. It was good to see him score. And then, of course, Alfredo himself was just Alfredo. He's great, great, great to see him scoring. So, yeah, it was. Um, it was uh, I don't think there was any uh, really nail biting moments. And think back to 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 last season and that performance against Aberdeen that was so insipid. Um, where we had one chance and we had a striker who decided to throw himself to the ground. Um, you know, the, the, there was just so much more today than there was during that performance. Uh, so much better all around, particularly from the midfield. Um, there really is an engine in, engines in there. Um, uh, and I thought today, I thought we could have had more penetration in the first half, you know, particularly with with Ojo and and Kent in the wide positions, but uh, uh, we got there in the end, and that's the uh, it's over ninety minutes, so that's what counts. And we created uh, two or three really good chances that we took, and we could have had more uh, if the luck had fallen our way a wee bit more. But no, I'm delighted to have gone through so comfortably. I must say, though, I think Ojo is really improving as a player. A few weeks ago, that we were all sitting saying, uh, oh, do we think he'll he'll make it? But I really think the last two or three games, he's really coming on to a game and he's, he tracks back a lot more than he was in, in the past. So I think Gerard's sort of a, working his, his magic on him and hopefully he'll be the same as Kent by the end of the season. Now you see, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you, Pete. I, I think it was probably myself a few weeks back that was tearing into to Shea Ojo. Um, and my opinion on the lad's not, not really changing. I'm wondering if we've got some kind of agreement with Liverpool that if he's fit, he has to start a certain percentage of games because to me, he's still making all the wrong decisions. Um, his execution's not good enough. I find that he sort of, if the game's in the balance, he goes missing and then he pops up in games like today when we're already two or three goals up and it's all rosy. But I mean, so what is it exactly that's, you know, making you think that he's improving as a player? Well, as I said, he's, he's tracking back. He seems to go into tackles a lot quicker than he did at the beginning. He seemed to be really frightened of them uh, in the in the beginning. Uh, I've even seen him get putting a few headers in, jumping for headers with, with opposition players. And I just think his all-round game is, uh, is picked up. Uh, he's, you're also starting to see a bit of the speed that he's got when he tries to get past players. No, I really think uh, he's making a positive end. He's not a finished article yet, but I certainly think he's improved over the the last two or three games uh, than, than, than in the beginning, because I was like you at the beginning. I thought, oh, yeah, will he make it? Is he a, a Rangers uh, class player? And he's still not, but I think he's, he's certainly improving to get there. I mean, personally, I think he's, he's still got a way to go, but I certainly, you know, as as um, as Graham says here on, on the YouTube stream, Ojo had a good second half. I think that kind of sums up the point that I'm trying to make, is that he had a good second half because the game was put to bed um, and he could play with a bit of freedom and a bit of confidence. And actually, it's something that sort of, I don't know, maybe it slightly sums up the rest of the team as well. Is it possible that, I always think with, with this Rangers team at the moment, we're quite tense and we're quite constricted until we get that first goal and then the confidence starts to flow um, Ian I know that before we came on live uh, this evening you were saying just before we went on air that you thought the first half was a little bit disappointing a little bit turgid do you think maybe there's a confidence thing that once we do find a way to get that first goal the players can be a little bit more expressive <laughs> Yeah I think there's uh, I think there's definitely a truth in that Ross but uh, the problem is we're going to play games this season where, you know, you can't bank on getting that first goal and we're going to have to play to, uh, that that expressive standard you speak about to probably create the first goal. Um, <clears throat> I, I did think today, you know, going forward, I was I was perhaps had uh, uh, over expectations, but I thought with uh, uh, the two wide players would create a lot more than what I saw in the first half. So 
Um, I, I do. I see both sides of the argument with Shea Ojo, but I mean, I think there's other players in there that should be looking. You know, your Scotty Arfields and your Joe Rebos. Um, when when someone like Steve Davis is dominating the midfield so much, and, and thank God he's in the form of his life, because it would have been a fairly uh, been a few struggles over the last few weeks with the midfield performances that they've been. If had it not been for Davis, absolutely running things, but these other players uh, probably need to start having a look at themselves. Uh, your Scotty Arfields and things like that, because uh, uh, I don't think. I mean, Ojo does uh, drift out of games. I think there's no doubt about that. With, uh, but there's others there who seem to be certainly not facing some of the criticism but uh, that, that he is. But uh, I think they need to stand up and be counted as well. And I think, you know, it, it's uh, they can't just start playing when they go a goal up because there'll be games against Celtic where, where they're going to have to play probably their best to open them up. And we can't afford them to be uh, off off song um, because they're not relaxed enough. They really need to to be more assertive and, and, and conf- uh, self confidence to be able to do it because they can do it. I mean, we saw against Ross County uh, an absolutely sublime performance, uh, so they know they can do it. Uh, but it is a bit concerning that in some games they just seem to fade away uh, until. A first goal goes in, um, or, or or even worse, the opposition get that first goal and we're, we're hunting games. And uh, uh, I think you're right that they, they do seem to 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 uh, there's a bloom. It's probably the word when 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 they get that first goal in, get a bit of comfort. Uh, they seem to play a lot more expressively and a lot more adventurously. Um, and we're needing to do that week in, week out. You see, I'm definitely, definitely going to agree with you on, on Scotty Arfield there. I mean, what's what's happened to the player that we saw um, in the, in the, old, the second Old Firm game at Ibrox last season? Um, the player who tore Celtic apart. Uh, along, you know, it, his, I don't know if it's his confidence. I don't know if it's age, if he's peaked. I don't know if it's the competition. I mean, what's kind of a blessing, like you say, you know, and as, as there's some comments here on the YouTube as well from um, from Chick saying that Aribo as well does he seem to have the the bottle for the fight. So we have a you know I remember sitting on this podcast and, and slightly complaining at the number of midfielders we were stockpiling with Steve Davis, Ryan, Glenn Kamara, Joe, Aribo, Scotty Arfield, but it does seem that we need all of them because some of them aren't performing and others are in the form of their life. You look at Ryan, Jack, and you look as you say Stephen Davis, they're in the form of their life. Um, so thankfully, it, it doesn't seem to have so much of an effect that your Scotty Arfields or your Joe Rebos aren't firing as much as we know they can. Now, look, I, I don't want this show to turn too negative on the back of you know, a, a day where we've got into the final of a major trophy. Um, two weeks ago, we played Hearts and I was there at Tynecastle and we struggled. Right, we, we were flat, we were listless, we were dull, um, uninspiring. Pete, Today we were dominant, um, particularly in that second half. So what what changed from two weeks ago and, and what lessons did we learn from that draw at Tynecastle? Well, for me, uh, one word can can give you the answer and that is Ryan. Ryan Jack wasn't playing there. Uh, and for me, you, you just miss. If, if Jack's not playing, we struggle in the midfield. And I, I know... You put it a lot. Ian puts a lot down to to Davis, but I think without Ryan Jack in that midfield, we would we would really struggle. And we've seen that in games that he's not played. So that's that's the biggest difference for me. That if you see the work that that guy goes through, and he's always winning balls back, and he covers up for Tavernier a lot. Which so if he's there, Tavernier's got a lot more freedom to go forward. And plus the fact I was a bit surprised they never played. Uh, the big centre forward, coloured centre forward. What was it? Is a gear or something like that you call him? Uchi uh, Ikpiazu. Yeah, I was quite surprised he never played him from the beginning of today. I think that because he gave us so much trouble uh, at Tynecastle. Castle. Although there's then 
and I have to admit that I, I was given the, the, the defenders uh, a lot of problems and wanted Cattage in the team, but Cattage really struggled against them. And I, I don't think Hellander struggled as much as Cattage did today, even when he, when he came on, when the big centre forward came on. So I think that I think that's a number of things, but for me, the biggest is, is Ryan Jack. I mean, it's it's, it's impressive the, the impact that that man's had over the last few games. And actually, we're going to focus a wee bit more on Ryan Jack a little bit later on in the show, um, particularly when we discuss his, his performance against Ross County, when, you know, it, it, one of the best centre midfield performances that I can remember seeing in a Scottish Premier League game for a long, long, long time. Um, Ian, I, I think today was a very, very positive day. And we, we showed that we did learn lessons um, from the, the, the draw at Tyne Castle. Obviously, we knew that Hearts would come out and be physical and, and try and dominate uh, the, the, you know, the fight and the battles in the first 10 minutes. Um, and we, we, we really learned from that and we, we learned how to cope, cope with that. One thing that still slightly concerns me, though, is Goldson and Hollander with a cross ball or a high ball coming into the box seem to flap or seem to panic. I've mentioned before that the pair of them sometimes have a tendency to let the ball drop and then try and deal with it. Do you have any reservations around Goldson and Hollander as a, as a centre-half pairing? Um, not really. Uh, I, th- I think uh, I saw enough of Conor Goldson last season to, to think he's a fairly uh, uh, reliable defender. I think he's probably, along with Tav, uh, having a wee bit of a dip in confidence at the moment. Um, and um, I do, I do like Philip Hollander. I think against Porto, he was just standout. You know, he, he was just so good. Um, so no, no, I've I've no real reservation. I just think at times there was a couple of times today, and I don't want to make it neg- neg- negative, but there was a couple of a full pass from Tav that against a better team might have been uh, punished a lot more, but I think it seems to be almost a concentration thing at times. Um, but I, I don't think that they're, 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 they're bad defenders. I think they're good defenders, perhaps lacking a wee bit in confidence at the moment. And, and every uh, clean sheet that they get behind them will hopefully boost that a bit. But... Uh, uh, Pairing-wise, I mean, I, I'm a wee bit like Pete. I think my, my go-to would have been Katic before uh, uh, Goldson, but uh, um, he and Hollander seems to be putting in decent def- uh, uh, shifts. So, no, no, I've no real concerns. Um, I think I'd be more worried about players running at them than, than cross balls into the box. But... Uh, 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 no, I don't think there's anything. I mean, Conor Golson was tremendous, particularly at the start of last season. And really quite an accomplished centre-back. Uh, good reading of the game. Um, good positioning. So, no, I don't... I think maybe just... Uh, they need... To, I always think it's good to have a, a a regular back four that know each other inside out, you know, particularly for... Are playing offside traps and, and keeping the line. Um, I don't think it's something that should be be tinkered with. Uh, I remember that great Arsenal back four um, from the eighties. I think it was. Uh, you know they were so well drilled. Uh, they knew which each other was doing in, uh, invariably uh, from playing week in week out. So um, if there's any four positions I wouldn't like to see rotated. It'd be the back four. I'd rather it was, it was uh, the same four appearing week in week out with any uh, changes, chopping and changing. But um, uh, uh, Stephen Gerrard has got a lot more football experience than me, so he probably knows what he's doing. But um, you know, I think most of us would probably have gone for a big Nico today. But there we go. We went with Hollander and Goldson. We kept a clean sheet. So what do we know? <laughs> Well, exactly. That's that's just it. You know, that's two clean sheets on the bounce now. Um, a strong defensive performance, I thought, out in Portugal. It's, it's nice problems to have. You know, it's we've got three and, and arguably four very very strong centre halves. And before we come on and do every show every week, um, I'm I'm looking for faults and things that we can talk about. And the fact that 
today, the only fault really that I can find is that sometimes Golden, Golden and Hollander struggle to deal with a cross ball or a high ball into the box means that we've had a pretty damn good day. Um, Ian, before we move on from the game today, Alfredo Morelos has hit 20 goals this season. Right, He hit 19 and 20 today and it is the 3rd of November. I mean, it's a, it's a quite staggering return. And, you know, if you extrapolate that over the season, we could be looking at this boy hitting 40 goals and that's not happened for us for a very, very long time. What do you reckon is the risk of Alfredo in January? Um, The media still seem quite keen to talk up his desire to go go down to England. That was reported again throughout the week. Do you think there's a chance that he'll be out the door in January? Well, I I saw some comments on Twitter about Stephen Gerrard saying he was confident he'd be here in January, but I mean, I don't know uh, how much certainty there is to that, but uh, it'd be a big loss for us, you know, in a a season we're pushing for the league to to lose your number one goal-scoring machine. And he is a goal-scoring machine. I mean, uh, that second goal he got against Ross County through the week, that was an absolute belter from a tight angle. He just, the confidence was there, you know, for him to spank it from such a, a tight angle. It was only ever going in, you know. He knew as soon as it left his foot, it was going in. Um, it, it'd be a huge loss for us, and I don't think, uh, I think it's really going to ch- uh, test the board's metal come January, because obviously, you know, we spoke beforehand about the accounts uh, being out and and and. There will be a need to balance the books, and he's obviously the asset that that uh, is most likely to be to be sold to do that. But um, it's a big decision for a board with a with a young, ambition manager who's uh, to sell your 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 most potent member, of your strike force, um, and of course, uh, even if it was to come to that. January's not a good time to be getting replacements in. I think history's shown us that it's not it's not a good time to, to be buying in January. Um, so there wouldn't be a ready replacement. I mean, I know uh, Jermaine Defoe's there, but, you, you know, you, you're needing more than that uh, uh, for, a, for a season campaign, particularly if, if, if we're, we're still running in Europe. Uh, as well, and and we're challenging for the league, and and you know the Scottish Cup will be coming round as well. So there's quite a lot of demands in the squad. Um, but you're absolutely right; he's just absolute goal scoring machine at the moment. I mean, the goal he scored in Porto was an absolute belter. The way he took it, uh, it was it was an absolutely beautiful goal. Borna's pass, uh, Kent's pass to Borna, and then Borna's pass into to Alfredo, and the way he brought it down, controlled it, and then. Just spanked at home. It was a brilliant goal. But I thought the goal that really impressed me was the, the second goal against Ross County because he was at such a difficult, difficult angle with not a lot uh, to aim at and he just found the sweet spot beautifully. And it's obviously a, a striker at the top of his game at the moment. He certainly is. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the boys, the boys just a different class. Um, he's unlike anything that we've seen in Scotland for a very, very long time. Um, what I worry though, and as uh, as JM says here on the stream, Gerard said in his post-match comments, the boy's going nowhere, right? Alfredo is going nowhere. And he's 100% confident of that. What I worry is that it might be out of Gerard's hands and that if we are, you know, tempted by a, a monumental record-breaking offer, then the board is going to, you know, as you mentioned, the accounts, and we'll come on to the accounts a little bit later on in the show, the board is going to have to take a look at that seriously. I mean, Pete, do you reckon it's possible that there's a, a line that the board are setting and that if we are X number of points behind Celtic in January, we can cash in? Or do you think there's maybe a, a monetary value that the board would place on Morelos in January? Well, I'm going to see we're not going to be points behind Celtic in January, so that, that would clear that question up. But obviously there's a price tag in everybody um, and we need to balance the books, but... Gerard didn't say he was confident he wouldn't go. He's, Gerard said, I'm a 100% sure he won't go. So I think, I don't think he'll be he'll be leaving in January. Next next summer's uh, probably another question, but I, I doubt very much if he'll be leaving in January. And the, the, the question is, what is, um, I mean, Crystal Palace was thought to be there was 20 million uh, for, for him. 20 million for me, 20 million wouldn't even 
get near him now because he was, he was worth that about last year. We wanted that, and look at the way he's, the goals he's got this year, the way he's playing this year. So for me, it would need to be a, need to be a massive, massive uh, um, offer before before we would accept that. And I, I, I don't think that I don't think the board would. I mean, they know. I think they would if they done that. I think they would know Gerard would walk away, and I don't think they're willing to for that. They would be risking a huge amount of goodwill that they've got with the fans. I mean, the the fans are by and large very much on side with this current regime. But you, you know, if if Alfredo was to leave the club in January and we were to lose the title by a couple of points, you you, you have to imagine that would be that would be fatal for this board. Um, guys, well, I'm, I'm conscious of time, so I'd like to, to quickly touch upon the Ross County game on uh, Wednesday evening. Obviously, a long trip up to Dingwall and returned very successfully with three points. Um, another very, very, very strong performance uh, in a game that arguably could have been a real banana skin. And again, last season might have been one that we would have struggled to take points from. Pete, what did this performance say about the, the mentality and the character of the squad? Well, they always say a cold night in, in Dingwall is uh, one of the worst games you can you can have. So, um, well, I've, I've always got to, I've got to come back to Ryan Jack and what, what he brings to the team. Uh, it was just absolutely by far out the man of the match. Um, so I, I think uh, he certainly brings a lot of steel to the midfield. Um, I must say, I, Ross County weren't very good. And if you if you look at um, the way I think Celtic put six past them, did they? So they're, they're not a very good team. So I don't really think we can uh, take a lot out of of, of beating them four 0 because I, I just don't think they're they're that good at the moment, and their confidence seems to be pretty low. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think. I think over the whole season that you've got to look at, there's certainly a lot more steel in, in, in the team than there was. Um, we've played far better one-touch football. I mean, Ian had over the the goal against Porto when uh, Kent flicked the ball to Barisic. Barisic virtually first touch to Morelos. There's so many. Even today, there was a few one-touch passes that, that you're thinking, God, that's brilliant. I'm no used to this from a Rangers team for the last years. So I think, um, I certainly think we're far further than we were. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll still grow. That's uh, because it's, it's a, quite a new team, really. There's only a few that were were there. Um, I mean, you can even say that Davis is quite new. No, well, Jack's been there a few years now. Um no, I, I, I really think, but I think Gerrard's learned a lot as well. To go, to go back to the, the, the Hearts game today, sorry for a minute. Um, I think if he'd have played Haribo today, I think we would have been too concentrated in the centre. So putting on two wingers pulled Hearts apart. And I think that's another uh, reason that Rangers had it a lot easier today because the two wingers pulled the Hearts wide. But uh, anyway, to go back, I, I think... Um, no, for far better place than we were two a year ago. I agree, Pete. We're we're a different a different proposition mentally, a different proposition on the park. Um, you just see it in, in Gerard's interviews at the moment. You know, he, he said after the game today, he felt so much more confident today than than he was twelve months ago facing Aberdeen with big big Umar up front. Ian, we've kind of we've mentioned Ryan Jack a couple of times now, and. The boys' performances, even over the course of the past week, have been outstanding. Have been exceptional, and he's he's quickly becoming one of the most crucial players in this side. Just just how far can Ryan Jack go? Yeah. You know, he's at a, a crucial point in his career now. Um, do you sort of see him staying at Rangers for a long time, or is there any any risk that we could also lose him down to the English Premier League? Well, I think um, uh, from Ryan Jack's perspective. Uh, He's, he's now uh, training under two of the best midfielders uh, in Gary McAllister and Stephen Gerrard and getting the benefit of all their wisdom and experience. And it's obviously improved his game. So um, if he's got any sense about him, you'll be, you'll be seeing how well his game's come on. And, and it was fabulous to see him get those two goals uh, uh, through the week at Ross County. He took them really well. And it, it was so pleasing to see... 
Rangers players having a dig from the edge of the box because so often we seem to try and walk it in through these packed defences and eventually it breaks down. So it was good to to see him just rattling those 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 shots in and and they were productive as well. But he's been uh, absolutely outstanding and I think Pete summed up, you know, it's not so much what he's doing when he's on the park, it's how much you notice when he's not there, how we struggle, how we don't tick uh, and, and things fall down in all the all areas, you know, whether it's defensively cover for Tav or, or reading the game or, or breaking up the opponent's game. He's been absolutely fabulous at that and uh, adding goals to his, his, his curriculum vitae is... Uh, uh, the icing and the cake. He's been absolutely superb, and he he really, he really p- plays a straight pass. He's he's very, very frugal and economical with the the ball, and obviously benefit alongside Stephen Davis as well. Um, uh, it really, you know, in some ways maybe we're being a wee bit harsh on Aribo and Arfield because Jack and Davis are are just so exceptional at the moment. They've been absolutely fabulous. Um, I'm watching Davis today. I've seen him come back, covering every blade of pie. He expects them to come off and face that Greta Thunberg uh, shouting, how dare you run about the, the field with uh, turbo-driven boots, you know? He's just absolutely superb. But Jack, uh, he seems now to... To, to really be blossoming under the tutelage of both McAllister and Stephen Gerrard. So I think he can go all the way to the top, particularly if he starts to add goals as a more regular feature to his game. He's definitely got them in it, as we've seen. He's He's got a few this season. Uh, um, so I think if he added that, you'd almost have the, the complete midfielder. Sorry, uh, Ross, these two goals against Ross County were absolutely crackers of goals, especially the second one, starting outside the post. Yeah, yeah, he curled it in, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's like you say, the the improvement in him in front of goal this season has been been exceptional and it really has added another dimension to his game. Um, I, I love the boy's temperament. I love... I love hearing him talk. You can see that he's a smart player. Obviously, captain Aberdeen at a very, very young age, so he's a natural leader. I see him as the next Rangers captain for a, a, a number of years, and I really do hope that this is this is where he ends his career because I think he's he's been absolutely superb, and he's shown a lot of people up as well. You know, we we pick him up from Aberdeen on a free transfer, and a lot of people questioning that signing at the time. But he's you know every season that he's been here, he's gone from strength to strength to strength, and he's just getting better and better, and he's. This week, he's just been an absolute joy to watch. Um, there's been an interesting question, lads, that's been posed on the YouTube stream here, um, which is from Mark Gilmore. And it's I think it's a fair question. Obviously, today we've, we've gone with two white boys um, to try and get crosses into the box. We see Barisic bombing up and down the left wing a lot more, trying to get the, the ball into the area. Shea Ojo is most suited playing out wide. Ryan Kent as well. What does this mean, Ian, for Jordan Jones? And do you see Jordan Jones walking back into the team or how hard is he going to have to work to try and enforce his way back into the side? Well, um, I don't think he did himself any favours in the old firm game uh, with his red card. I don't think uh, um, uh, Stephen Gerrard was particularly impressed with that. But uh, I think, you know, we've been discussing uh, um, she not... Uh, being imposing enough at times and uh, obviously at some point maybe Gerard's going to think well I'm going to give Young Jones a a run because he's done he has done pretty well for us uh, um, a lot better than I thought he would actually I have to say Um, but you know you wonder how far he is down that line with Barker been uh, featuring a wee bit more um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's over. You, you'll you'll need to work hard to get in into uh, into the the team because there's quite a lot of competition for places. And that's if we're playing two wide men. Um, you know the other the the boy I, I I feel for is Greg Doherty because at times I think he could he would be given a lot more to 
the midfield and some of the 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 contributions so far this season. And yet he's not featured, so um, he's not even been near near it. So you know, you wonder for Jordan Jones if uh, you know. I heard you mentioning about the pay, the you know, the contract about oh, is there something that that OU has to play? Because sometimes his performances have been fairly lacklustre. Um, and and not really um, uh, posing himself or, or or appearing to contribute a great deal, and you wonder how you know he's playing uh, week in week out, uh, given that there's quite a, a lot of depth and 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 um, variety there of boys bursting to get through. So um, you know I I don't know how that will go. I, I know he's obviously has fallen out of favour since the old firm game. Um, and his red card. I don't think he's featured in the first team since then. But uh, he'll just need to get his head down and and make himself irresistible to the manager. And that that's good that we've got. You know, the boys are going to have to play for places uh, for so long. We didn't have that. That's been spoilt for choice. So it's up to these boys to impress and do something uh, to catch the manager's eye. The other one, of course, is Murphy. He, he got a, a run out on Wednesday, but I don't see in any more of the more difficult games, I don't see him being anywhere near the team, to be honest with you. No. It took him a while to get up to fitness as well. I, I have to agree with you, Pete. I mean, Jamie Murphy, I think the first season that he was with us, I thought he was, you know, I really like watching him play. I think to a degree he's a bit like Shea Ojo in that you always kind of know what he's going to do. He's always going to try and run down to kind of run down the wing to equivalent of the 18 yard box, cut inside and try and get a shot away. And once you've figured that out, it's for me, that's kind of all he offers. Um, and so, I'd, I'd, you know, we have so many wide players. Obviously, we've mentioned Murphy, we've mentioned Jones, um, Kent, we've got Ojo. We've got Brandon Barker. We've even got Greg Stewart, who's struggling again to get a look in. Um, I wonder as well, Pete, what kind of impact do you think it will have having a new direct football come in? Do you think we might see a lot of these guys, you know, as, as Ian mentions there, Greg Doherty very much struggling to get a look in at the moment. Do you think we'll start to see a lot of people actually leaving the club in January? I, well, I don't know if it'll be uh, whole of January, but I think there'll be a lot of people leaving in the, this or in January or next summer. Uh, I think if Doherty was going to get a place, he would have been round about the team or at least on the bench. So I'd, I've got a feeling that Gerard doesn't really uh, like him. Uh, it's, it's a shame because he was a good player, but whether whether he's still the up to the Rangers class that we're aiming to get at, then uh, I've, I've, I've got my doubts. And there's a lot, enough of a lot of young youth players coming through as well, which which we, we, we shouldn't forget about. Some Sometime they're going to have to get a chance. So whether Doherty, uh, no, I, 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 I don't see that Gerrard's putting anything, anything to get him into the team at the moment. So I, I, I worry about him. But whether it's January or next summer, really, so, but I think I think his days at Rangers will be numbered. I have to agree with you, Pete. I mean, I think if if he was fancied by the manager, he'd have been, he'd have been used long before now. Um, Ian, now that we've got through the Ross County game, that's us played all of the, all of the opponents in the Premier League. We've dropped points against Celtic, and Hearts, where Celtic have dropped points against Hebs and Livingston. Um, how much of a problem do you think that many of the other teams in Scotland can actually pose to clubs like Rangers and Celtic? I remember the, was it the Livingston manager earlier on in the season? Um, no, sorry, it was Brian Rice, the Hamilton manager, saying that the gap between the old firm and the rest is bigger than it's ever been. Um, would you agree with that? I think he's up against everyone else in the league. Um... Well, I think uh, I think on paper there's certainly a lot of gap, but you you know we we played Hearts only two weeks ago, and uh, uh, you know we came away with uh, luckily with a point, um, given how poor we were that day. So no matter what the gap is, uh, 
on paper financially or, or in squads. It's how they play in the day. So, you know, they've shown that they, they we can be given problems and I don't think we should take any of the games for granted. Uh, and if we don't turn up on the day, then we're going to pay the price for that if the attitude's not right. So I don't think there's anything we can take for granted. Uh, um, but I think it does it does show the importance of of getting results in these old firm games. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I speak to quite a few neutrals at my work, and they they feel that that's going to be the you know the to 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 a great degree uh, the determining factor in where the the title goes. So um, I don't. I certainly don't think we can rely on other teams to be taking points that much. Celtic, although it was good when Hibs, Hibs did it, uh, um, it will happen and it'll probably happen to us as well. Um, I think there'll be, I think I do think that uh, um, there'll be a few twists and turns throughout the, the season, but we definitely need to get those points in the bag from the old firm games. Particularly at home, that was a bad one to lose. We just were we weren't at the races that day. I think um, I think the manager did get it wrong in the formation, and I don't I, I don't think uh, they they were that much better than us. I just don't think we played well that day, and we didn't have our formation right. And I think we strengthened quite considerably since then, particularly with the likes of Ryan Kent, because we were missing width in that day. We were far too narrow and they uh, suited them down to, to the ground. So um, I'm not really confident of other teams taking uh, points. I, I don't think we should be uh, hoping for it. I think it's something that we need to, to make happen ourselves, particularly in the old firm games. I think, though, when you've got teams like the likes of Livingston, the, these, these guys are super fit. So it takes, it's going to take a long time to break them down. And plus the fact they've got that big striker up front that they just bump balls up to him and he barges his way through everything. So, I, I, yeah, I think that's 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 the way that teams are going to take points off of Rangers and Celtic because, I mean, all they do is put 10 men in front of the, the, the 16-yard box and it's just like a harmonica going from side to side. So they're not really burning up an awful lot because uh, the... They're, they're super fit and they're, they're, they're just uh, they're not running an, an awful lot really they're just making stopping Rangers playing football and that, that's the way that, that's the way the teams are going to beat us and I mean it's, that's the way we've lost games in the past or, or, and drawn games and teams try and draw us into a physical battle which which the, the likes of Hearts did took a point off us and to really Celtic done the same. Celtic got us into a physical, more physical battle than us playing football, which uh, which was cause of that defeat. So I think that's the way teams like us, a team we are going to lose against teams like Livingston or or, or drop points against Hearts and Celtic as well. That's where, that's where they're going to drop points. See, I would agree with you, Pete up until this season, but I really do feel like this season something's changed. You know, we couldn't, I remember this season after we first got back promoted under Mark Warburton, you know, and it really was get to the edge of the 18-yard box and pass it side to side to side, have them doubling up on our full backs, ball breaks down, and more often than not, other team pops up the end of the park and scores and we lose 1-0. But for some reason, this season, something seems to have changed. There seems to be a bit more of a tactical... Um, intelligence about beating this low block as they call it or park the bus if you're a bit more old school so I, I don't know there's a there's a confidence this year and it it just seems that I, I i struggle to see other teams taking many points off us at all i really really do um listen i, I think we need to sort of spend the last 15 minutes just having a quick look over the the news stories that have broken throughout the week off the pitch it's been quite a big week for Rangers, obviously. It's been quite a big week for Celtic fans interested in the finances of Rangers, of course, because the financial results have been published this week. Um, before we all came live on the show this evening, we all sort of admitted that we're not financial experts and none of us went to the Green Brigade School of Accountancy. So we've done our best to have a wee look over the accounts, to look through the statements and to try and make head or tail of what it means. 
Um, for me, the headline is, again, this year, heavily, the company seems to be heavily posting losses with a headline of £11 million in loss this year. Um, Pete, is that something that we should be worried about? Do, you know, is, is there some kind of concern about the financial viability of the club, considering everything that we've gone through? Surely to keep seeing £11 million in the red is it's far from, far from healthy, right? Well, it's, it's far from healthy. I'm the wrong person to ask. I can't even keep my wife out of my, my wallet. But um, it's, uh, I, I, I think, I, I mean, most clubs do have debt. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I could name a football. I suppose Celtic, they claim that they don't have any debt. But uh, I think most clubs have debt. So you've, you've got to have a, a running debt. And we've got to forget that, we can't forget, I, I mean, that the, the we're doing an awful lot on the stadium at the moment as well, which was which should have been done years ago. Um, so we've got that, and and that's things that you don't see. The money's going out, going out, but you don't see that. I mean, okay, you might see a painted wall or things like that, but I mean they've done all things to the roof, I believe. So which then that will cost a lot of money. So I think uh, if we want to get to where we are, I think we've just got to accept that we're going to have debt. Um, Obviously, that's got to be kept uh, as minimal as possible. And, uh, yeah, as I say, I'm not a financial expert, but seemingly the, 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 we've made a lot more money than, than, than we have been making. So hopefully uh, we'll, we'll start making from the football kits in the future. Hopefully Dave, Dave King wins all these cases eventually against... Um, against I forgot the name. There, Sport Direct. Sorry, um, and and we get that sorted out because I think that will be a, a big help in our financial situation. But uh, I I I think we've got to have a uh, have debt. I don't think we're we're going to, unless we start selling our, our, our top players, and that's not the way I think anybody wants to go. Ian, what's your what's your take on this? I mean, are we getting in a position now where it becomes inevitable that that we would have to sell assets such as Morelos, maybe even you know Borna Barisic, players like that, to to try and get in a slightly healthier financial position? I mean, as as Chick puts it here on the on the YouTube stream, is it a case of speculate to accumulate? Well, um, I think it's, it's, it is difficult because um, I mean I'm one of these guys that goes through the forum and I wait for certain individuals whose judgment you trust to, to make head or tail of uh, these accounts. But, I mean, I think the, the general feeling with guys that I know that I would trust their judgment is they don't... There's a, there's a mix of good and bad in there. I think uh, Pete touched on it that we've, we've created more wealth um, in this set of accounts than we had previously. Uh, uh, but there's other negatives. So, you know, um, I, I don't think anybody's looking at that. I think it's a difficult transitional period. You know, we've had to improve the squad, improve facilities, improve the staffing and the structure of the club. So I, I would hope that nobody's thinking that uh, those kind of losses are a sustainable model. And I don't expect that they are. Um, but probably at some point, you know, uh, much as we hate to think, some of these players will get sold. Uh, I think Pete said earlier, every player has its price. I think what we have to do is make sure we do a lot better than we have done previously um, in, in terms of getting value for for, for players. Um, because I think, you know, uh, like people saying, uh, if Morelos is going to go, then I don't think we should be looking at under 25 million. Um, given what players go for in England, um, and given I think he's got, he's got a tremendous record in Europe, so so other clubs will be seeing that as well right through the continent. So he's he's a real asset, but I'm not really want to start talking about uh, selling uh, star players to, to to balance books. I think we're a lot better if we were to to identify revenue streams in the 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 outgoing uh, the I mean talking about the 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 sports direct thing I think 
what's quite frightening is the, the legal costs that we've played, paid to get very little success uh, so far. So perhaps there needs to be lessons learned there. Um, need to be a bit more prudent and, and, and before we, we go pressing that uh, legal button because uh, I think some of the financial uh, costs were quite horrendous there as well. So um, I, I don't really know. I'm not that great on financials uh, um, and I normally leave it to other people's reading to, to get a, a flavour of it. So um, I seem to be a, a, a mixture of, of good and bad. Uh, amongst all, so um, just got on with it. just got on with support of the team. <laughs> well, that that was the thing, Ian. Ian, it depends where you where you read it. I was I read yeah. a report from the BBC, and it was absolutely totally negative. And then I, I, I read from I think it was Chris Jack that, that wrote it, and for the Times, and it was just a positive uh, link to it. So it depends. Yeah. It depends how you how where you read it and how you read it. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of guys in some of the forums who've uh, over the years uh, 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 basically got themselves uh, a fair bit of respect at, uh, at uh, sifting through them from both their professional and their 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 their, their performances that passed at reading those things. So I normally go with them rather than. The mainstream media. Uh, if I wanted doom and gloom, I would stick to the BBC, but uh, uh, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Um, so I'd rather it came from some bears. You know, I'd rather see what their uh, their reading of it was. And uh, um, so, just you just you scan through the forums and you see the guys you know who. You, you kind of trust their judgment and their, their previous sort of reading of things, and you you take what they're they're saying uh, on board, and that's what I've done. But uh, I certainly don't have the sense to to to, to figure it out. Um, but you know, um, I think I think the other thing that came across is how much the 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 current investors are 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 keeping the ship afloat. Um, and I think that's something that uh, we we should be concerned about in terms of sustainability, because that can't go on forever. It's not a bottomless pit, so we need to start uh, uh, finding a way that we can um, find that balance be, between putting a, a a product in the park that's comp uh, uh, worthy of of challenging. Uh, and uh, it still managed to balance the books, and that's not an easy thing to do, particularly when we started uh, this so far behind in terms of uh, squads and things, and we've had to make quite a considerable outlay because uh, we were so far behind, um, not just in, in, in terms of playing staff, but you know, the, whole, the whole structure of the, the club and how we were operating. We've gone down the DOF model now, so uh, hopefully that will start to, to bear fruit. And, you know, players players like uh, Al, Alfie and, and you mentioned Borna Barrett, we got them for uh, really good money. So, you know, maybe that's the way it has to be, that we're, we're, we bring players on and we do uh, sell a, a profit in the future. But surely we should be the academy... The academy should be bringing up money as well, and we seem to just let players go from that. But surely that's one of the ways to make money is is bring up players through the academy, so they're not all all going to make it. But you should at least get something back from from selling them to other clubs. Well, look, I think this is this is where we get the importance of two relatively new staff members at Rangers and. One being Ross Wilson as the director of football, it's very, very important that he does a better job than Mark Allen in terms of moving players out the door for money. That, to me, was Mark Allen's biggest failure, worse than kind of a, the, the transfer record that he did have, was that we never really managed to shift anyone on for any meaningful cash, in my opinion. 
Um, and the second important hire that Rangers have made over the past six months is James Bisgrove as the commercial director. And this harks back to what you were saying, Ian, about needing to find other revenue streams. So that's to me, that's about growing the brand and growing our presence in the international market. So you've seen the tie-up that we have with Bengaluru FC out in India. I think that's a fantastic commercial move. Um, plenty of articles about him, uh, Mr. Bisgrove, heading over to the States to try and increase the brand over there. Um, and yeah, we're never going to compete in these markets with Liverpool, with Man United, with Chelsea. But if we can just tap into a very, very small percentage of those markets, it's all an increase in revenue. It's all an increase in brands. We have the ideal marketing tool in our in our manager. Stephen Gerrard is one of the most recognisable faces in world football. So for anyone who is concerned, and you know, as I've said in the in the, the chat here on YouTube, I was just playing devil's advocate by asking if anyone's concerned about the eleven million pounds figure because it's not a concern at all. It's predicted. It's understood. It's explained. We have these revenues. We have the fund set aside to cover that, um, cover the losses that have been posted. So, it, it, I think we really do need to be tapping into extra commercial revenue, and it's something that we've not done suitably in the past. And you're right that Pete that tying up things with Sports Direct will help in that regard. But there's so much other potential that now that you know that the world is so much smaller with technology with media that we can increase our brand presence in these other markets in these emerging markets where there's huge appetite for football um and i think that that will really really have an impact on the balance sheets going and we'll see that starting to bear out next year and it'll get more and more and more in the years to come um finally the, the last thing that i want to talk about pete is um rumors this week that there's new deals on the table for uh three players on the books um, Alan McGregor, Steve Davis and Jermaine Defoe apparently contracts being prepared for all of them um, despite all three being let's say more senior in age would you agree that that's a sensible thing to do to offer these guys new contracts supposedly they'll be some of the bigger earners in the squad so could that money perhaps be better spent elsewhere no I think uh, well McGregor I mean I think McGregor's 38 is he um, so I mean he's not that old for a goalkeeper so I, I think you can, I know a lot of people say, oh, it should only be one year contract, but I can see McGregor going on for another three, four, five years. So I wouldn't say give him a, a five year contract, but certainly one or two years, I have no problem with that because it's what Gerard said today, where are you going to find a, a, a keeper that can fit right into European games and play the way Alan McGregor does? They're not on every corner. So I, I, McGregor is certainly no the way Davis has played the, this year and playing now, I, I think he deserves another year at least, and and the same for Defoe. I, I, I certainly, I mean Defoe scored a lot of goals as well, but he certainly doesn't bring to the party what uh, Morelos does. Morelos's overall game is uh, is absolutely fantastic as well, whereas Defoe uh, is is he scores. But really, in certain games, that's all he does. If he if he doesn't score, then he's he's not existent. So that's I'd certainly give Davis uh, and uh, yeah, no, I would give them I'll give them three a year's contract at least, and McGregor probably more, probably two or three years contract because I think I don't think a goalkeeper is that old for a goalkeeper. And I, I suppose with the advances in sports science with physiotherapy and, and, and training methods that kind of the traditional or the historic ages um, that, that players would retire at are, are becoming less and less relevant. You know, you hear guys like Defoe saying he thinks he can play well into his 40s. I, I don't doubt that. You know, famously, he's never touched a drop of alcohol. He looks after himself really well. Um, it's the same with Steve Davis. You know, this guy will tell you when he's not able to play football anymore, but look at the performances he's putting in the park. He's, you know, as we've spoken about today, one of the best players that we've got in the squad at the moment. So to me, I, I agree with with Mark on the stream here. It's a no-brainer to give all three the contracts. If they say they can carry on playing for another year, they can carry on playing and they are invaluable to the squad. The experience that they have, they're all winners. They've all won cups. They've all played European football to a very high level. They're all internationals. So I think it's a, it a no-brainer to, to give all three new contracts. Um, 
I will go yeah. with that. Oh, sorry, but I, I would really love to see somebody from the academy coming up and starting already to sort of fit into the positions that Davis has taken up. And that over two or three years that Davis is going to be pushed out, or that's a wee bit hard, but um, is, is going to play less. And then this a new young player from the academy starts moving in. So that, that's that's the way I would like to see it. And that, there was a, a youth given a contract, can't, can't think of the guy's name now, uh, during the week that we all were surprised that they got it. And I uh, wonder, Jonas. Yeah, Baron Jonas. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering what, what's the move there because uh, maybe Gerard fancies him to eventually step in. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Of course, it it, it all depends on his, where he is with his development, and you know, is is he ready to step into the first team? And and at the moment, I don't care who you are, no one seems capable to me of replacing Steve Davis right now. Um, guys, I'm looking at the clock, and I'm afraid that that is that is all we've got time for this evening. As always, I'd like to say a massive thank you to both Pete and to Ian for their insightful contributions this evening. It was a, a fascinating discussion. Um, Guys, make sure you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk where you can catch up on all the latest news opinions, um, plenty of articles, match previews, match reviews, player ratings, a whole lot, as well as a very friendly discussion forum where you can find all three of your contributors tonight. Um, remember that the show is going to be available for download from Monday morning, wherever you get your podcast. so make sure you subscribe to that and you won't miss a thing. We'll be back next Sunday at 9.30 with another show looking at our latest European adventure and the return to league action. So all that's left for me to say is a massive thank you, as always, for listening and have a great week.